What's up? It's Locked On Cardinals. I'm your host, Bo Brock. Thanks for joining me on this Tuesday edition. Of course, Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, number one local sports daily podcast network. Uh, fun little fact, if you got a smart speaker over the holidays, just tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On Cardinals, and you'll be graced by my lovely voice. And usually I'm joined by my co-host, Alex Clancy. He's off the rest of the week, hanging out in Atlanta, leading you up to Super Bowl 53 between the Rams and the Patriots. You want all the sights? You want all the sounds from Radio Row and Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta? Give Alex a follow on Twitter, at Clancy's Corner, as well as on Instagram, the very same handle, at Clancy's Corner. And while you're at it, give me a little pity follow. You want a little more insight on the Arizona Cardinals? Give me a follow at Bob Brack. I also like to respond to your tweets. I'm not somebody that's just going to let you tweet at me, and I'm not just going to send my tweets out there into the uh, into the internet and think that uh, I, I want to have a conversation with you. I want to talk Cardinals with you. I want to talk sports with you. Absolutely hit me up at Bob Brack. Busy show on tap for you, Tuesday edition of, Blue, of Locked on Cardinals. Uh, Sean McVay's in the Super Bowl. His second season at the helm of the Los Angeles Rams and the Arizona Cardinals, um, pretty transparent, uh, not hiding from anybody that they are following the Sean McVay blueprint. They went with the young offensive guru and Cliff Kingsbury as their next head coach because they wanted to tap in to what they feel is a way to get back into contention, whether it's, you know, Maybe around 500. Just get out of the doldrums of three and 13, and get this uh, get this car back on the road that once was a contender as far as the NFL postseason is concerned. But I want to look at the McVay blueprint versus his opponent this week, the Bill Belichick blueprint, which is a lot harder to copy. Which is why I would say of the 31 teams in the NFL. Um, not a lot of people are trying to copy the Bill Belichick blueprint, despite its uh, man, its overwhelming success over the close to two decades. Belichick's been the head coach there in New England. Also, we'll get into the Arizona Cardinals hierarchy as far as who were the Cardinals' top five best players last season, how it impacts free agency, and who their top, who their bottom five worst players were, and how that impacts free agency, how that impacts the offseason, as well as the latest on the NFL draft and the Arizona Cardinals op- options and the NFL draft. Also coming up this edition of Locked On Cardinals, we got a word from my bookie, as you're going to want to get in and all the action that my bookie provides in Super Bowl 53. You got a crazy prop bet? Check out my bookie. Uh, I'm sure they will offer you some action on whatever prop bet you can conjure up in your beautiful mind. So I mentioned it, Sean McVay, the blueprint, the Arizona Cardinals following it pretty much to a T. They go out, they uh, they identify who they think is the up-and-coming offensive mind that can take their offense that was dead last in the NFL, the Cardinals were. They were 32 out of 32. And take them not only out of the seller, but put them up in the penthouse. Put them up at the top of the league as far as offensive innovation. They feel like Cliff Kingsbury can do that. Also, what McVay did was he took a rookie quarterback with high expectations 
that was drafted number one overall, not 10th overall like that Josh Rosen, but the expectations remain the same for both QPs, is that these signal callers are going to usher their franchise from the outhouse to the penthouse, despite what they showed in their rookie season. Both uh, very lackluster performances by Goff, and of course we saw it with Rosen. And uh, McVay specialized in working with quarterbacks. He did wonders with Kirk Cousins during his time in D.C. as the offensive coordinator for the Redskins. Before that, he was the tight ends coach. But uh, they went with a specialist. The Rams identified, look, if we want to be successful in the future, we need this investment in Jared Goff to work out. We're going to get the guy available as far as head coaches are concerned. And at the time, in the 2017 offseason, it was Sean McVay. He was going to be the guy. He was going to be the mentor. He was going to be the offensive play caller that was going to walk hand-in-hand, work in concert with Jared Goff, and help him tap into that potential that a lot of people thought was just going to fall by the wayside after uh, a little sample-sized rookie year and where he struggled. The Cardinals have identified Cliff Kingsbury as that guy. There's more to it. There's the, the the step back and look at the all all the uh, all that is the blueprint of the Sean McVay success story. McVay also uh, one of his key um, characteristics that uh, make him successful is he's he's a great delegator. He's not up there. He's not saying my way or the highway. He's there. He's not only listening to his coaches. His assistants, his coordinators, his position coaches, he's listening to his players. It's been pointed out that Sean McVay in very many key situations down the stretch in the NFC Championship game, let's take out the non-call from the Saint, uh, uh, that was not in favor of the Saints, the uh, PI or the helmet-to-helmet that uh, was very costly for the New Orleans Saints. A lot of people would argue that it cost the Saints a trip to the Super Bowl. But Sean McVay, outside of that uh, that very big moment, Sean McVay relied on and, and listened to his third-year quarterback and Jared Goff on what he was comfortable doing. And, and Jared Goff sometimes, his input was overriding of Sean McVay's thoughts. Jared Goff was making play calls down the stretch that overrode what Sean McVay thought would be the right play call in that situation, but he listened to his young signal caller. And uh, I think we're going to see the very uh, very similar situation with Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, also, when we look at the Big Bay blueprint and what's been successful is, is Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips, the defensive coordinator. Wade Phillips has had a long career in the NFL. He's got the, uh, the pedigree. His, his dad, Bum Phillips, was a very successful head coach in his day. And uh, Wade Phillips was just this guy, this veteran presence um, that Sean McVay could just kind of hand the keys to the defense of the L.A. Rams and kind of just say, hey, there you go. These are your guys, Wade. You do what you want. I trust you. And, uh, you know, I I know that it's tough to say that Vance Joseph is that, but Vance Joseph, that will be his role as far as the defense is concerned. He's not going to be the old... Uh, you know, crusty veteran coach that has is just 
wise in all areas that is the NFL. I mean, he has certainly his own experiences to take from. You know, his two seasons as the head coach of the Denver Broncos, and, you know, it was it was a pretty big disaster. Uh, Vance Joseph was not successful as a head coach, but neither was Wade Phillips. But Wade Phillips was very successful. I mean, he even helped the Denver Broncos to a Super Bowl championship as a D.C. Um, under Gary Kubiak, and, of course, they had... Uh, a very talented defense, as in the Rams. But the Cardinals have a lot of talent on their defense. And Vance Joseph has shown that as a defense coordinator, is short time in Miami, that, you know, statistically you're not going to find a lot of success. But as an overall unit, defense thrived and was opportunistic and created turnovers and would put the offense in good situations to succeed. Vance Joseph as a positions coach uh, in Cincinnati as a, as a defensive back, secondary coach. Um, that was an organization in the Bengals at the time of Vance Joseph's tenure in two seasons led the NFL in takeaways. And that's what you're looking for. That's what you're looking for. You want Josh Rosen to succeed as a quarterback, put the ball in his hands as many times and as many you know potentially successful situations as possible. Vance Joseph, as a defense coordinator, has proven that he can put your offense in a good situation by the what he's dialing up on defense. Defense is going back to a 34 defense, which is going to come into the conversation when we get into our draft and our free agent combos later in this podcast episode. But uh, also, when you look at the McVay blueprint, uh, his quarterback's coach, his passing game coordinator, was a guy that's going to be hired as the Cincinnati Bengals' next head coach in Zach Taylor. The Cardinals kind of were taking a little bit. Some of the responsibility, maybe, that Vance Joseph would have harbored that Wade Phillips had in L.A., they're going to put that more on they're looking for that more veteran, grizzly, uh, weathered head coach as their passing game coordinator, QB's coach, in Tom Clements. Con- Tom Clements has been around the block. He's going to be that Tom Moore, Wade Phillips veteran presence on this coaching staff that was uh, that was that was needed, and um, he's going to fit that mold as well. I mean, it's going to be a team effort, and no matter how you slice it. The, the veteran presence is there on Cliff Kingsbury's coaching staff. I think that the Arizona Cardinals, to this point, have had a very successful offseason, and they're doing a very good job in following this blueprint and setting up a young coach for success in his first season, much more so than they did for Steve Wilkes in his first season in 2018, his only season. So the McVay blueprint, uh, it's there, and it's been proven to work. And it's, you know, the McVay blueprint also carries having a quarterback on a rookie-scale contract and your ability to go out there and spend. And like I said, we'll talk about free agency. We'll talk about draft capital. We'll talk about the Arizona Cardinals draft options. The one thing I do think is interesting, though, as we sit here on Super Bowl week, and uh, it seems like every other year, if not every year, it's in the last couple, uh, the, the New England Patriots have been there. Why is Bill Belichick, why has that blueprint not been followed and is not as trendy as Sean McVay. I mean, we saw we we, we see we're seeing two contrasting 
ways of building successful organizations, and they're both successful in their own right. You went with the young, up-and-coming, offensive guru-type head coach in Sean McVay with the young quarterback, and then you spent money all up and down that roster. Where you look at the New England Patriots, you've got the old, grizzled, defensive-minded head coach and Bill Belichick with the old veteran quarterback, Tom Brady, who's really been the only mainstay outside of Belichick this entire run of nearly two decades. And what is the organization known for? Kind of cutting ties with players who've had success in their organization, but when it came time to pay them, they said, thank you for your service. We're going to let you walk. I mean, there there have been countless names, big names, that have walked out of New England after a tremendous amount of success to find new work because the Patriots don't spend a ton of money. So it's just interesting. I just think you're it's gonna be so it's so hard to find that diamond in the rough like Belichick than it would be to find McVeigh because McVeigh's out there. He's almost he's a celebrity. Belichick's married to his work. Belichick's a guy that is going to fly under the radar. And unless you're really searching hard, you're not going to be able to find him. And, it, and if, you, if it fails, if you're going with a coach that isn't going to wow you in a press conference, uh, the results better be there. And they weren't for Steve Wilkes. And uh, that it's just disastrous. So there's just more, um, I think, margin for error with following kind of a Sean McVay blueprint, especially when it's as trendy as it is, then it would be to kind of go find that next genius in Bill Belichick. And look, I'm not saying they grow on trees, but you know there are many people behind the scenes in the NFL that are brilliant, you know, just NFL minds that don't get their op- their opportunities. They don't get their due uh, as far as interviews are concerned for head coaching positions because it's 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 a risk. It, you're also the CEO. You're the face of that franchise. Coming up next, we're going to get into the hierarchy of the Arizona Cardinals. Their top five players, who they are, who you can rely on in 2019 because you could rely on them in 2018, and who you couldn't rely on. Who are the worst five players for the Arizona Cardinals? How this is going to impact free agency and the draft. That's coming up next, Unlocked on Cardinals. But you know, ever since we started this podcast, Alex and I, people have been asking us for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. But the truth is... We don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you got to check out my book. You remember, who you're betting on is just as important on who you're betting with. That's why we always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust us, guys. They are the best bet this season. They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online. Their mobile site, easy to use. Lay down some cash. Win big today. College hoops, NBA, NHL, it's all there. Prop bets galore. We recommend only using services to our listeners that's been good to us. That's why we're urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game, live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. Join now. My bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code LOCKEDON25 to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. 
Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON25 when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. My bookie. More Locked On Cardinals next. Back here on Locked On Cardinals. Bo Brock hanging out with you. Give me a follow on Twitter at Bob Brack. My co-host Alex Clancy off the bulk of the week hanging out in Atlanta leading you up to Super Bowl 53 between the Rams and the Patriots. You want all the sights and the sounds from Atlanta at Super Bowl 53? Give Alex a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Clancy's Corner. Thank you for joining us here at Locked On Cardinals. Of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Fun little, uh, just fun little test if you, for all those who have smart speakers out there. You like the Locked On Cardinals? You want to easily listen to me and Alex on a daily basis? When you get home after a long day at work, just put your feet up and say to your smart spe- speaker, "Play podcast Locked On Cardinals." And there you go. We'll be playing on your speaker, just like that. It's beautiful. What a what a what a time to be alive. So we went over the McVay blueprint, right? The Arizona Cardinals following it to a T. And uh, I kind of wanted, I thought it was interesting to kind of look at the Belichick blueprint. I, I, I apologize for droning on in that first segment, but it, I just find it fascinating. And we talk about, you, you can point out the Belichick coaching tree. I don't think that necessarily fits with the blueprint because a lot of his, uh, uh, the, the guys that went on to, become head coaches that have been assistants or coordinators for Belichick, you know, whether it's Charlie Weiss or Romeo Cornell or uh, Bill O'Brien, um, Matt Patricia, most recently Brian Flores, looks like he's exiting the Patriots to become the head coach for the Miami Dolphins after the Super Bowl. There hasn't been a, an immense amount of success there. And there hasn't been that Belichickian um, culture really put into play in any of those stops. And I think it's it's hard to implement that type of culture. It really is. It, it you the what I say goes when I say jump, you say how high. And even when you do so and you do it successfully and you help the team to immense success, if your name's not Tom Brady, when time comes to sit down at the negotiating table, if your price tag's too high, we're gonna let you walk. That, that is not a blueprint that many players like. And due to that, a lot of organizations shy away from. Uh, so I think that that, that plays into uh, to part why the McVeigh blueprint is a lot, you know, obviously it's the trendy one, but why it's going to, you're going to see more of that followed than trying to find the next Bill Belichick. So the Arizona Cardinals... Had a horrible season at three and thirteen, just awful, just a terrible season where they go three and thirteen. We really didn't see anything as far as real takeaways that will translate to you want to see more of that that in twenty nineteen. But when you think about the Arizona Cardinals and where they were successful, and you think about their top players, um, I think that you have to look at. Where they finished dead last, I think you'll. It's weird when you talk about their top five players of 2018. Um, the the bulk of them probably come from the offensive side, right? You're not going to put Josh Rosen in there. Josh Rosen played. 
Josh Rosen is a key figure going forward for the Arizona Cardinals, but he certainly wasn't a top five player for the Cardinals. Josh Rosen was in there, right? We, we give him a we we give him attendance scores, but we're not going to give him scores as far as his his offensive excellence. But I think it's pretty easy to say Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson. David Johnson, despite his struggles. David Johnson played in all 16 games last season, in a season coming off missing the bulk of the 2017 season. So you've got Larry Fitzgerald and you've got David Johnson from the offense as one of your key contributors, as one of your top five players. Other than that, you got you can't find anybody from the offensive line, right? You you could wouldn't dare give anybody from the offensive line. Now Mason Cole was an Iron Man as well in his rookie season. He played all 16 games. But he most certainly was not one of the Cardinals' top five best players, was he? I certainly don't think so. I think that you can make the case that Christian Kirk, despite missing four games at the end of the season with an injury, Christian Kirk was probably one of the Cardinals' top five best players. He played 12 games last season. He was uh, able to get about 500, over 500 yards receiving, found the end zone a couple times, was a playmaker when given the opportunity. Are we going to look to the special teams? I mean, the kicking game was brutal. I think you can make the case for Andy Lee. Andy Lee certainly had a great season. The special teams had their best season in years, uh, mostly because Amos Jones was not the special teams coordinator any longer. But when you look at the defense... This is where you're going to find the rest of your top players. So Christian Kirk is a fringe top five player. I think that's safe to say. Does he make the ultimate top five? Let's see. Chandler Jones, absolutely. Chandler Jones led the defense in sacks. He had 12 sacks on the season. And then Patrick Peterson, was he was on his way to his eighth straight Pro Bowl, seventh as a cornerback. So Patrick Peterson and Chandler Jones. So pretty easy, right? Just like DJ and just like Larry Fitzgerald right off the bat, you know immediately that those are guys that were impact players. And the the lack of success on defense, those were some lone bright spots. Other than that, let's look at the rest of the defense. Are you going to give it to Robert Kandice once again, limited to 10 games, a guy that's continually had problems staying on the field? Are you going to give it to Dayon Buchanan, a guy whose playing time was limited because his inability to grasp the new 4-3 defense from Steve Wilkes and just at the end of the season was playing, but really wasn't impacting the game? Same thing can be said for Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick played each and every 16 game last season, but here was a guy that with that playing time, he did improve. He did show that he deserved to be on the field, but what was his impact? Four sacks. He had just over 75 tackles. So a decent season for Hassan Reddick, but I'm absolutely, I mean, that would be rough, right? That would be rough if he's he somehow made his way into the top five overall for the Arizona Cardinals. Of their 53, plus, you know, give or take some injuries, um, that would be sad if Hassan Reddick. It's good that he was finding PT, but come on, man, he's he's not he's not an impact player just yet. Will he ever be? That remains to be seen. Antoine Bethea was a guy that led the team in tackles. 
I didn't feel Antoine Bethea's impact. I mean, I mean, leading the team in tackles as a safety, uh, that's also an indictment on your rush defense inability to make tackles. So Antoine Bethea, maybe just by default, just by necessity, was the guy in kind of the last line of defense in many cases. But Buda Baker is a guy, I think. Buda Baker played 14 games last season. He came near damn close to 100 tackles. Uh, he's a guy that racked up three sacks from the safety position, also played nickel corner in some situations. I think that Buda Baker, when we're talking about this, it's tough to kind of determine whether or not Buda Baker is the fifth guy or Christian Kirkett. The bad thing is you don't have a definitive five. It's nice that you've got two young players, two guys that you've utilized in back-to-back seasons, your second-round pick, that Buda Baker and Christian Kirk have been players that have made an impact. But the fact that it's tough to find five guys that are your definitive top five, and not because there's just so many people vying for that and there was so much success up and down the roster. It's just it's kind of depressing, isn't it? Uh, so Buda Baker and Christian Kirk, let's go 5A and 5B. I would I would give the edge to Christian Kirk and just what his impact uh, can be next season. I just think that Christian Kirk and this and Cliff Kingsbury's air raid offense and what he was able to show and what was just a horrible offense uh, under Steve Wilkes and Mike McCoy and Byron Leftwich, Christian Kirk, the, the ceiling is very high. And uh, it excites me. And as far as just the, the few offensive bright spots seem to feature Christian Kirk. And if it wasn't Kirk, it was Larry Fitzgerald. So it is also interesting to me on, on an offense that finished dead last in the NFL that your top five players, three of them played on your worst group. Thank God nobody from the offensive line made that. So what does this say? So nobody from the offensive line made it. So let's let's take a look as far as as far as your worst group. Uh, obviously, it's your offensive line, but as as far as just what was the who was the worst who were the worst players on the Cardinals? Now let's let's take out the guys that don't really matter, right? The guys that that aren't. We're not going to talk about the game, Gabe Holmes. We're not going to talk about the Trent Sherfields. Sherfield, who is a guy that, that showed up at the end of the season. We're not going to talk about Will Holden. But I, I think it's important to realize who the worst players were that were getting, that were garnering uh, some serious PT. And I think Jermaine Gresham enters into that equation. I think Chad Williams was a guy that uh, was just ineffective and a lost man for most of the season. Ricky Seals-Jones had pretty high expectations last season. Derek Coleman, a fullback. The team throwing it back and featuring a fullback in their offense. And Derek Coleman was not, he did not help David Johnson find 1,000 yards on the ground last season. Derek Coleman's in that conversation, right? So if you're starting to break it down, Josh Rosen, I'm not going to put him in the in the bottom five either. Just because he's probably your best option at quarterback. And he was playing behind a terrible offensive line. And, and just looking at the offensive line, you know, Mike Yapati, I think, deserves to be in that conversation. Uh, Mason Cole, I'm just going to give him a pass just because he was a rookie. But Mike Yapati... 
I think I throw into it being one of the worst players on the team. Chad Williams, I throw on that as well. And Jermaine Gresham, there's three of them. Derek Coleman, I mean, the fact that you employed a, a fullback and you couldn't get a thousand yards rushing is complete. It's it's brutal. It's brutal. And then uh, my fifth one. I don't know if I go with the Corey Cunningham, DJ Humphreys. Just Humphreys not being able to stay healthy. You know that that's not fair to him. Maybe we go to the defensive side of the football, and you can give we can give our final worst Cardinal distinction uh, to somebody like that. And maybe you can just say overall the corners that played opposite Patrick Peterson. Maybe it's the Brandon Williams, the Jamar Taylors, the David Amersons, the Benny Benwickeries, the collective group that was these guys that didn't perform opposite Patrick Peterson. Well, it's not easy, but it's easier to identify. It's a, it's a, it's a group based on performance that's easier to identify than the top five. Uh, the worst five is, is tough to identify because there were so many tough performances last year for the Arizona Cardinals. On the other side, what is the free agent impact of that and the latest on the NFL draft options for the Arizona Cardinals? It's Locked On Cardinals. Final segment here, Locked On Cardinals. I'm your host, Bo Brock. Thanks for joining me on this Tuesday edition. Co-host Alex Clancy, live from Super Bowl 53. You can listen to him on our local program on Fox Sports 910 on your AM dial from 1 to 4, or you can tune in via the iHeartRadio app. But the best bet is to follow Alex on Twitter and Instagram at Clancy's Corner. Get all the sights and sounds from Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. Also, give me a follow if you want all more up-to-date insight on the Arizona Cardinals at Bob Rack. So final segment here, we went through the uh, top five Arizona Cardinals, and uh, it was Larry Larry Fitzgerald, David Johnson, Chandler Jones, Patrick Peterson, and Christian Kirk. Our bottom five players was the cornerback opposite Patrick Peterson, whether it was Brandon Williams, whether it was Benny Benwickery, whether it was uh, David Amerson. The list goes on and on. I also need to add that uh, Buda Baker was in the conversation for the top five players. But the rest of the bottom five players did come on that league-worst offense where it was offensive linemen, where it was it was wide receivers, it was Chad Williams' ineffectiveness in games. Jermaine Gresham, when he did show up, it was for all the wrong reasons. Derek Coleman, a fullback that was employed in an offense that, that previously did not feature a fullback and could not get his running back, your main back, your bell cow, David Johnson, to over 1,000 yards, which is ridiculous in my opinion. But uh, to wrap things up, what what is that? What is the hierarchy of the Arizona Cardinals? What does that mean for the offseason? I think we've we've talked about it. You're going to hear this at nauseum that despite having all these big picks, if you can't trade down, you're not taking an O lineman number one overall, but you are taking offensive linemen in the draft. And if you aren't seeing anybody on the offensive line in the draft that kind of tickles your fancy, for lack of a better term, for Steve Keim then you better be a player in free agency and in trades. The offensive line absolutely has to be a draft. And a tackle and a guard would would be key for this offense to add. Because you can't rely upon DJ Humphreys to stay ha- stay healthy 
at the tackle position. You can't rely on Justin Pugh to stay healthy at the guard position. Mason Cole might become a Swiss Army knife next season after starting the entire season at center, but A.Q. Shipley coming back. It looks like he'll probably reclaim the center position. And, and Cole adds you some versatility. But you absolutely have to add NFL-caliber players to this offensive line until something works. And it's, it's paramount when you look at what Cliff Kingsbury wants to do offensively. Uh, also, what does it say? You know, we mentioned Chad... Williams, and we mentioned Jermaine Gresham. Those are guys that are supposed to be offensive playmakers, whether it's Gresham in the in the block game, run block game. And Chad Williams is supposed to be, you know, the expectation in a third-round pick um, for him to be a playmaker. And he's just not. Can't get open. Can't make plays. Um, Chad Williams, you, you need to turn over that, that wide receiver's room. Is that free, free agency? You're not going to go find... Last year's Allen Robinson, who was key for the Bears' turnaround. But you, there are players out there available. Do you want to break the bank for a guy like Golden Tate? Probably not. But I think if you find athletic players to give Cliff Kingsbury to have fun with uh, that have a better ability of route running and getting open than Chad Williams, you're automatically better. And the utilization of David Johnson becomes easier. But uh, a lot to get into, of course, on Lockdown Cardinals. We'll get into it tomorrow. Some more uh, insights, some more uh, just observations of which direction the Arizona Cardinals can go in free agency and, of course, the draft. Uh, we, t- we continue to have the conversation about number one overall. I think Nick Bosa, he's got some company now, as he should. And we'll get into all of that tomorrow. It's Lockdown Cardinals. Thanks for listening. Please follow me on Twitter, at Bob Brack. It's been a pleasure. I've been Bo Brock. Talk to you tomorrow.